A, B, C. A always, B, B, C closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Uh, Hi, everybody. How you doing? Welcome back to another episode. Uh, This week we have a special one, and it's going to be uh, Glenn Human, Glenn Pinch. So I've got Ian Human and Nicholas Pinch, and we're going to be basically talking about sales strategies, um, but not just sales strategies. You know, uh, I think sometimes people hear that and think like a dirty connotation, like, you know, you're trying to trick people out of their money. And that's really not what sales is about. Sales is really just about knowing how to get the thing that someone wants um, into their hands and, and, you know, hopefully get them to turn over a little bit of money for it. So uh, when we talk about sales, you know, we're going to be talking about how you uh, present your studio, how you present yourself, how you talk to someone, how you educate yourself. But a, a big portion of what we talk about is just staying relevant in uh, in the modern market. You know, so uh, talking about competition, what makes competition, you know, how you evolve and how you become a market leader and how you grow your market share. So uh, we talk about all those things in, in pretty good detail. Um, there's going to be a point about halfway through where um, I was sharing a room with uh, Brian Skelly at, at BMX and halfway through he comes into the room. So you'll hear a little bit of that, uh, but it's all friendly. You know, everybody loves having Brian around. So um, he pops in for a little bit in the middle, but we just kind of talk about different sales concepts. We we talk about kind of where we're at in business and how we got there. Um, And it's really just like, you know, it's it's not about intimidation. It's not about tricking people. It's really just about um, how you talk to someone. It's about communication, you know, uh, whether it's verbal communication, whether it's visual communication. um, Sales is really just about communicating with someone. As I'm recording this, uh, I'm just about to head to Atlanta for an APP Board of Directors meeting. That'll be Sunday and Monday. We're going to try to get some stuff done. Then on Tuesday, I head to Camp APP, also in Georgia, um, just basically kind of hang out. You know, it's a a group of about uh, 50 or so APP members. Um, We have uh, basically like a campground area with cabins and a mess hall and all that stuff. And we all just get to hang out and relax. You know, there are some classes, but it's super casual. Uh, it's really not stressful. You just basically hang out and, and you know become friends with people. You know the, the people that you interact with online. Um, you, you get to really talk to them and, and learn what they're about and make some good friendships. You know, so I get to hang out with Baron and I get to see the boat boys and uh, you know a bunch of other people out at camp. So it should be a, a pretty good time. Uh, I'm going to try to get some interviews there. I'm going to try to get one with Steve Joyner while we're at the board meeting. I'm going to try to uh, do one with uh, Jeff Saunders at, at camp all about skin prep. And who knows what else I'll get. I'm going to bring my recorder and if I can get, you know, four or five or however many interviews, I think that'll be great. Um, maybe I can try to get some interviews with some piercers that I don't know super, super well. You know, there are a lot of members there that, uh, I might be meeting for the first time or might be having an actual face-to-face conversation with for the first time. So, um, I think it'd be good to kind of capture some of those conversations. My classes are going really well. Um, I think I'm going to have to cut off registration for that Hamilton, Ontario class. Uh, it filled up really fast. You know, everybody's really engaged there. Um, so I think that's going to be a great one. I'll be going to that in a few weeks. Uh, I've got my class in Portland, Oregon, or the Portland, Oregon area, rather. That's Vancouver, Washington, just over the bridge, to be honest. But 
Uh, that one's going a, a little bit more sluggish than I thought. You know, I have had a couple of people contact me to register, but um, not very many, which is uh, kind of strange for an area where there are that many really awesome, really engaged piercers. So uh, hopefully that one will, will turn out uh, better than it's looking right now for registration, but who knows? Um, either way, you know, I'll go and I'll hang out. I've never been to the Portland area before, so I can go and hang out with Kellen. And if I can get, you know, five or 10 people to, to come to a class, that'd be great. Um, as it stands right now for Canada, I've got, I think about 30. So, I mean, it's going pretty awesome. Uh, I got some new shirts in actually just today. I got in my new Genshin violence, uh, shirt, and I also got hoodies. I got, um, racerback tank tops and the, the, the um, response has been pretty overwhelming, actually. I think I'm about uh, halfway sold out already as this post. So um, if you want one, you know, go to my website, precisionbodyarts.com shop. You can check those out. I'm happy to mail those out for you. I'm probably going to have to reprint the Gentian Violence uh, shirt and probably going to have to reprint the Defend Piercing shirt. I might switch it up and maybe do some some different colors for the Defend Piercing one because I've already done three or four runs of the, the black and the gray. So anyway, uh, shirts and seminars and whatnot, uh, classes and camp and meetings and whatnot. But for now, let's get into this week's interview with Ian Human and Nicholas Pinch, some of my British piercer friends, and I'll be back after that. <clears throat> do you want to go first, Nick? Oh, okay. It's really weird for us because we don't do this. Right. I feel like we're a couple, and I just the do the polite thing, and Let the you woman know, go first. no, if you want to talk about it, just dive, man. Like, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I'm Pinchy. I own Voodoo Body Piercing in uh, Barnstable, North Devon, in the UK. Um, check out my Instagram, Voodoo Pinchy. Um, it is a private Instagram, but if you just request to follow me, I will accept. You just accept anyone, right? I, I will <laughs> just accept anybody. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, my name's Ian Human. I own Holdfast Body Arts in Somerset in the UK. Um, I'm the distributor for Pure Cleanse in the UK and for That's the Point Needles, uh, along with some other products. I've been a piercer for about five years. How long have you been piercing? Uh, I've been piercing for 15 years. Since I was 17, I'm now nearly 34. Cool. So, a yeah. long time. I started around that age too. So, we're in Germany right now, and I also saw you guys uh, at the UK seminars. So, what's kind of like the vibe when you get out of your home area? You know, like I know that when you're in your home studio, you focus on your local clientele, trying to reach out and pull new people in, but what's the feeling like when you kind of get out into that wider community and you see people in the UK that are close and then you see all the different people from Germany? Like, what's what does that feel like for you guys? Uh, it's a really, really good vibe. Um, a lot of uh, the UK studios, uh, we actually know each other, so a lot of us are personal friends anyway, mm -hmm. but being really busy, we don't get a chance to socialize, so the UK APP is a really good sort of event to catch up socialize mm -hmm. and the classes there are really good um you know they put on you know really good classes a lot of effort um and i, I just really really enjoy it because for me the uk was more of a social side and because they got a lot of the newbies there you know a lot of the newbies have seen my work seen ian's work seen um nicole holmes's work and people like that so they look up to you and when they see you in person it's their chance to ask advice from you and mm -hmm. help from you so it's just really nice to be able to give back to that community um that's what i think yeah i think it's just uh it's just a really nice vibe but you know the uk i think 
I think how many have we done now? Well, I've done like three, I think, in the UK now. Mm-hmm. And you can see it's still expanding; it's still growing right. for sure. Yeah, you they're know? building a lot of momentum. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know the classes are good. It was great to see you know Lewis Garcia there. Uh, great to see some of your classes, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's been nice. You know, it's been a bit of a long haul this time. We started at the beginning of September with kind of closing down our shops and heading off to Manchester, and then yeah. uh, I did a class at UKAPP. So you know, a couple of weeks to kind of prep that up and, and get that polished and, and good and then obviously head in straight to Germany after UK APP. Mm-hmm. So I think we've been away from home like I don't even know what day it is now. <laughs> Maybe Today, that's a good question. Sunday. 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 <laughs> Sunday. I arrived yeah. yours the thirtieth. Yeah. So I think by the time we get back we've been away for like twelve days. Yeah. So it's kind Do of you feel like that's work. easier or harder just being able to stack them back to back? Man. It, it's a catch twenty two. I think it's easier, in a sense, you just go from one straight to the other. Mm-hmm. But then when you take a step back and go 12 days, that's nearly half a month, Right. in a sense. So the time your business bills are due and your personal bills, you've got two weeks mm-hmm. left of the month and that's it to catch up. Right. So I think a lot of piercers struggle financially. Um, you know, I heard people at the UK EPP saying they couldn't afford to come to both, mm-hmm. um, which is a shame. But with the help the UK, uh, UK APP give with classes, and things like that and teaching you new techniques and about good quality jewellery mm-hmm. I think next year it'll be completely different and then piercers that couldn't afford to do both will have the finances to do it right I mean I know a couple of UK piercers the year before they were saying oh they don't make much money and then after last year's UK PP I just watched them grow mm-hmm. and progress rapidly and fast you know one of the fastest growing people I think was Matthew Pierce. Uh, yeah, I think Matt Pierce did real well. I think there's a, yeah. a number of different names there. You know, yeah, there's definitely sure. a number of different names, but uh, he's sure. the one that caught my eye, and mm-hmm. he expanded rapidly, and he's doing really, really well for himself now. Uh, and I, th- I personally think it's just a help he received from other Pierces and stuff. Right. Um, and so next year, I think it'll be different. I think the Brits over in Germany, it's definitely going to increase mm-hmm. next year and the year after. There's lots of them that are keen to do it. Well, I think a lot of people take classes that are focused on jewelry sales and doing these things to increase your revenue stream. But one of the best investments you can make in general is definitely education. Because, you know, you can learn sales techniques, yes, but you can also learn, you know, more confidence and, you know, how to run different aspects of your studio and even like social media marketing and all those different things that make you a better piercer. you know, bring in new clientele, bring in new finances, and, and like you said, make it easier for your yeah. future, you know, to get out to more than one conference or to, to do more to, to get out. I think the funny thing is with, with UKPP or BMX or, or any of those actually is I think it's hard to quantify the value because it is education. Yeah. It's hard for people to say, here's my 150 bucks, whatever, yeah. you know, what do I get for my money? And actually from the business background that I've got, what people can learn if they've got a bit of a strategy, if they don't go to the bar and then <laughs> get hammered and then sleep all day and, and really do attend the classes, mm-hmm. it's thousands and thousands and thousands of, of pounds worth of information. Right. I mean, it's phenomenal, really. And to see so many people just open up and say, look, you know, have all this stuff for free, basically for free. Mm-hmm. I think what UKPP was like 130 pounds. Really, like really reasonable amount. I mean, like that's yeah. not even 50 pounds a day. You right. know, most people can do that in one piercing, mm-hmm. and you can totally afford to do both. But you've got to kind of have a bit of a strategy, you right. know. Um, and we all knew like this stuff is like a year. I think like Stefan now for BMX, he's, 
think he's given like the next three years dates, maybe something like that. So yeah, you, he, you, he plans out. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you've got plenty of time to kind of squirrel away some money and and, and don't under uh, don't underestimate the value of, of the stuff that you can learn here for sure. Yeah, for I sure. think I think some piercers online tend to think. Um, it's not worth putting in the investment because there's like the cool kids inner circle. They're not going to share information, but it's totally the opposite. You go to something like UKAPP or something like BMXNet, and like you said, there are people just they'll tell you anything. Mm. You know, I, I haven't seen one single person be like, "Okay, I don't want to tell you because you don't know the secret handshake or or whatever." It's just like, sit down. I'll show you videos. You take out your phone, show me pictures of stuff you've done, and then everybody just talks about everything. It's it's super great. So. It's weird to me sometimes when I'm in a class and I'm looking around and I see a whole bunch of like people nodding off and like people who really overdid it the night before, didn't get any sleep, didn't eat, didn't drink any water. Uh, and it's like, man, are you here to, to party or are you here to like get all this like information? Yeah, that, that's true. And that actually happened a lot. Um, <laughs> I've seen that a lot. Uh, to be fair, I did nod off in a few classes. I'll, I will hold my hands up. Yeah. However, mine's just due to obviously been away for 12 days from sure. home it's mentally tiring mm -hmm. but also i had to share a room with ian who snores <laughs> so totally untrue it's I not untrue don't snore. Uh, i sleep like a ninja so i was getting two hours a night maybe okay um so yeah that that's my excuse always bring earplugs anytime you're doing a conference i've learned that because i share a room with brian and he's a bit of a snore not as bad as luis used to be before he got his cpap oh <laughs> it was terrible I, I took a video of ian yeah so just to show people yeah. what i had to put just up to prove with. it it's kind of weird going to the bar and people are watching videos of me sleeping nick What's weird about that? Yeah. It's, Germ or, it's, Ger it's Germany, it happens. I know, <laughs> lots of crazy things happen yeah. in Germany. Or waking up and there's a picture of me and Brian Skelly is in my bedroom next to me. Right. How did that happen, Nick? Well, there there is yeah. also a, a nice pencil sketch of you in your underpants. So. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true, but you're also in that sketch, Brian. Right, but I'm fully clothed. So there's that. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe you should expand on that because it kind of sounds a bit, or should we not? Uh, no, we can I'll leave it to imagination, yeah. maybe. Okay. So the the two of you taught a class here. What was the what was the subject? Uh, we taught about for BMX here. We mm -hmm. did a class together all about sales. Yep. Um, we. It seems it's weird for me. To, you meet so many people with so many different backgrounds. You know, one guy I was talking to used to be a teacher in a school. Mm -hmm. You know, and now he's a body piercer and stuff, and. We talk a lot about the technique side of it. We talk about, um, you know, all sorts of different things. But actually, I know, I think the Vegas APP may be different, but UK APP for sure, and BMX, I haven't really heard much about sales. Um, and actually, you can be the best person in the world, but if you don't know how to approach people. Right. You don't know how to, to, to make a profitable business. Mm -hmm. It's not much point, you know, and, and, and it's just another feather in the cap. And it, I think we don't always look at our business in a three-dimensional way, you know. Um, you know, we, we talk about lots of different things, but actually you really need to be quite rounded. You need to, to have those skills at I asking agree. opening questions and consolidating things with customers and looking at their needs and understanding that the demands of stuff they want won't always line up with what they actually need. Right. You know, we don't always ask for business. I think sometimes people have this kind of have this liberal kind of I feel a bit guilty asking for this sale or I feel a bit guilty that I should be 
you know, trying to achieve a certain amount of money every day. You're thinking, this is this business, you know. This is right, I mean, every business that we frequent as customers, they, they treat it the same way. Um, you're not trying to cheat people. You're trying to run a business, pay your own bills, take care of your family, and there's work behind that. There's a lot of work behind it. I think a lot of the downfall of most pierces is they always say, I've got a great job, I love my job, it's the best job. To me, it's not a job, it's mm -hmm. a career. Mm -hmm. There's, there is a massive difference mm -hmm. between that. And if you see it as a career, you need to start thinking business-like, and that's to treat it like an actual business. Mm -hmm. It's not a hobby. Yeah. You know, and you see these piercers, and they put so much effort into cleanliness, sterilization, using safe jewelry, um, customer information, and that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to themselves, and actually looking at the business as a whole and trying to make it grow, that's when they don't put so much effort in. Mm. Um, and that's, I think, where a lot of piercers need help. That's not their fault, but I think, you know, me and Ian, Ian's had 15 years sales background. Mm. I say I've been piercing for 15 years. So I've learned, I taught myself. Um, a little bit of the problem I had was getting the information out of my head and putting it into words to sort of help people. But Ian really helped me, because when I explained it to Ian, because he, he knows what I'm trying to explain, he knew straight away, You'd say, this is this business strategy you're describing. This is this business strategy. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of worked really well as a team. And um, we put on the class, and I think it went really well. Yeah, yeah, I think it went on, on, on good, you know. And I think we just tried to highlight on, on certain basic key elements, you know. It's like we said, you know, the sales is really important, but it can't just be sales. One of the things that kind of opened my eyes is one of the people sat in the class, you know, put a hand up and asked a question and said, you know, what happens if you've got someone in your in your business, you know, that kind of doesn't sell anything and they don't sit people down and they don't, you know, do the salesy kind of stuff, you know? And I'm saying, well, you know, you're running a business, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you've got to have some tough conversations as, as well. You know, you can't, you know, I don't know how I could sort of liken it, but as I said, you know, if, it, if your job's to fix cars and you can't fix cars, yeah, probably not the, the job to be in, you know? That doesn't mean you have to remove them from your business, but you certainly, you know, reorganize your business and, and put them in a position where maybe they can help with you with your admin or your accounts, all the other things that we have to do is, is generally small business owners, you know? You sometimes just, it's just the access to the information because sometimes people come into this and, you know, it's personal expression or artistry, things like that, and maybe they're not naturally gifted or experienced with business. Um, I had to learn a lot of those things. You know, when I was younger, it was just like, cool, I don't have to work for someone else, I get to wear what I want, I get to listen to what I want, and it took me years of that to realize, like, I'm not making any money, I can't pay my bills, I don't want to live in a rented apartment for the rest of my life, you know, I have to get serious about this stuff, I need to make myself more appealing to a wider cross-section of clients to kind of grow as a business, you know, and that was a hard lesson. And I guess actually, you know, if you're working for a business, there's a good chance that business is going to invest their time and their money in you and train you. Mm -hmm. They're going to send you away and tell you how to provide good customer service. Yeah. They're going to talk about compliance and doing things right. And, you know, they're also then going to sort of build in, you know, trying to get you to become a better peer. So in terms of your, your physical ability to pierce. And, and actually, when you are self-employed, it's really easy to lose sight of those things. Mm -hmm. and, and like Nick said, you know, and actually invest money in yourself. Take the time out. Go and do some training. It doesn't have to be through the UK APP or, you know, what? Whatever. Yeah, I mean, sales strategies work across lots of different markets, and there are definitely courses available online, well, things like that. It's funny you say that because this, we played a video, um, a sales video. It's actually shown to people that are learning to sell, um, and it was from a really famous film, which uh, was it's called Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Oh, I know um, that one. Yeah. Always be closing. Yeah. Bingo. Now, yeah. see, they're talking about real estate. Yeah. And there's this, so not jewelry, nothing, real estate. 
And we watched this eight minute long video and everybody in the class just stared at it. They didn't understand anything. And at the end we said, okay, did you pick up any sales techniques? Mm -hmm. Nobody knew anything. So we went back and we watched it again and me and Ian just highlighted every sales tactic they're using, what they're talking about, including little things like the, the guy in the film takes his watch off but he leaves it on the desk in front of somebody mm. and doesn't put it back on. And that's called creating desire. That person can see that watch, can touch that watch. Mm. It's real to him. He wants it, for example. And nobody spotted it. So we went through and explained it all. Again, they didn't really understand. The next video we played mm -hmm. was from a very famous brand, wasn't it? Famous studio. Yeah, rapidly expanding studio. <laughs> we won't mention names, we don't know if we can. Um, Played, the next video we played was an advert mm -hmm. for a, a really sort of popular, I guess, um, piercing chain. And we said, okay, now them sales tactics we just watched in the previous video, mm -hmm. see how many are in this. Yeah. And straight away, people were spotting Picked up it. on it, yeah. And it's, there you go. So you can take any business strategy and just change it and alter it slightly mm -hmm. to what you need it for. Yeah. So, um, yeah, any sort of sales training you can get and things will help. Yeah, I mean, you're not trying to be... When, when I talk about sales, especially in a classroom environment, like, I'm not trying to say cheat somebody, be sleazy, something like that, but just realize that you have a product, lots of people want the product, and all you have to do is be able to articulate it to them, you know? Like, if it's something where somebody wants a body piercing, they're already seeing all this stuff online about cool jewelry and clean studios and this and that, when they walk through the door, if you don't tell them, uh, we have that, this is what we have, this is what we can do for you, they're not gonna be psychic, they're not gonna know what you have if you can't articulate it to them. Definitely. So that's really what sales is to me, it's put what they want in front of them and then let them choose it. I'm not trying to push anything or trick anyone into it, I'm just basically saying, I have what you want, I would love to, to provide it for you. Yeah, and you're, you're right, I think a lot of people think it's like a dirty word, you know, there's going to be that element of, you know, fucking, you must sell this, you mm -hmm. must sell this. Coffee is for closers. Uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. um, and it just doesn't need to be like that. I mean, my sales technique is very much a, a pull rather than a push, like, you know, like mm -hmm. you described, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, you want a new piercing, I, I know I can do this for you, I can, mm -hmm. know I can do a good job of it for you, you know, this jewellery that you're looking at, you know, sometimes... People just need that little bit of encouragement, you know, yeah. for different reasons. Sometimes they're just a bit nervous, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I like to be able to, to to do it because I know that they're going to walk out with something that they're they're going to be happy about, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and yeah. I know that all of us, you know, we interact with hundreds, thousands of clients, so to us it can feel formulaic or something like that. But a lot of times when these people walk into one of our studios, they've never seen the kind of jewelry we carry, the kind of services we offer. So I want to treat every client like they're the only client. Like I want to give them the show, I want to give them the full service. I don't want to just kind of be like, oh yeah, you're going to want the most popular one. There it is right there. You know, like I want everyone to feel special when they want um, to It's an experience though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this is yeah. what it, I think this is the difference between what we're talking about and what we're telling people that, you know, you can set your stall out to be. Is it should be an experience. People should walk through that door, mm -hmm. have their piercing, choose a jury, all that kind of stuff and leave being like, holy shit, wow. Yeah. You right. know, that was, a different experience that was not a go in buy your shopping leave kind of experience well that's that comes down to another sales sales tactic as well whenever you say sales people think you're about making money mm -hmm. not all sales are going to make you money for example people buy people mm -hmm. 
that that's a true expression. If you can sell yourself to your customer, they may not may not have a piercing that day, right. but they will go away mm-hmm. and tell their friends how polite you were, how professional you were, yeah. how they really like the studio, and when they're ready, they're going to go back there. Exactly. I look um, at every interaction as an opportunity, exactly. even if it's a zero dollar interaction. Um, I've I've shown them why I'm different. Yeah, than yeah, other exactly. studios. I've given them an option, and I, you know, hopefully they will choose my option, my brand. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I'm not going to get. There, there were points when I started carrying the more expensive jewelry because I had to pay for those bills. You know, so mm. a, a, originally I'd be like, uh, "Are you sure? You sure you don't want to take a look at you sure?" And I realized that that's just so ineffective because it just makes me seem desperate or sleazy or whatever. So now I basically just, you know, I explain. This is our sterilization. And I never say anything negative about any other studios like, hey, they don't have it. I just say, we have this and we have that. And when you're ready, come in. We'd love to offer you this and that service, whatever. And then I'll give them a card or an aftercare brochure and let them leave and make their own decision. If they want to go into another studio, then they'll look around and say, oh, well, they don't have this kind of sterilization room and they don't have this. Where are all their jewelry options? And where's this and where's that? And why can't they answer a question about what this is made of or how I should take care of it? You know, so... Um, I might not make any money off of those interactions, but I feel like I've done uh, I've done a, a good service for myself to explain why I'm different. Exactly, yeah. it's like a hearts and minds thing, isn't it? You yeah. know, and actually, I think if if you're a piercer, you can help someone. I mean, how many of us have done jewelry removals for someone who's struggling with something that we didn't even pierce? Yeah, you, you know, and I don't, I don't even charge. I, say I don't it, charge. I mean, it depends. Mm. You know, if it's literally a pair of gloves and a tool that's going to go through the the hydrum, you know, it's going to be, yeah, don't don't even worry about it, you know, and yeah. those are the people that go away, and those are the people who are like... Those are the people that are most really appreciative, because they, they go in thinking like, I didn't even get it done there, and they didn't they didn't, they didn't didn't sell me the jewelry, but they helped me out, they gave me advice, you know, they, they removed it for me, or changed it for me, or something like that, and then that really sets you apart, you know, that customer service. It's not always about sales of a product. Like you said, it's selling yourself with yeah. your customer service ability. Exactly. Yeah. I think it really helps with your loyalty as well, you know. Some people are always going to price shop, right? Right. They're always going to be like, hey, well, he said he can do it for a little bit less. And you, Sometimes you, you've got to pick your battles, haven't you? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't win them all. But certainly, you know, I read about a shop the other day that started charging for advice. And I think that's kind of probably born out of frustration you know, born out of that kind of, oh man, we spend so much time talking to people who aren't even buying from us. But actually, if you can give something to something, you know, give something to somebody for nothing, yeah. you know, you're going to get a lot more wins from that than you are the people who are just going to come in and use you as a, you know, as a citizen's advice kind of bureau, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, they, they're going to go away and tell people that's the place you want to go. I mean, I personally think that was a bad business decision on their part. Mm. It's my opinion because, you know, information should be free especially to customers if a customer requires help or advice i don't think they should be charged for that yeah because this is some i mean it could be a major problem it could be somebody's health you shouldn't charge them and take advantage of that situation so i think from that particular studio that did that that was just a bad business decision right it's just not ethical in my opinion mm-hmm. and i'm only speaking for me i don't um, even know if it's one studio i don't know if it was more it's just something that i kind of just picked up uh, somebody mentioned it in the conference you know um, well, I think but, the information yeah. that we can give out is one of our best advertisements because yeah. it shows I know what I'm talking about. You know, so if you were to choose us for your service, you know, I, I know how to handle problems that might come up with healing or jewelry or, you know, it, can I wear this in an MRI? Just being able to answer questions like that shows that you're a professional, you're trained, you have experience and you're worth the money of your services. Yeah. You know, you don't want to seem like 
expensive. You know, like the, the phrase of like, it's only expensive if it's not worth it. You know, otherwise it's just, that's the price, you know? So if people come in and they want to pay money for a service, my materials, my sales, whatever I'm doing, uh, I just want them to feel confident with it and realize that, you know, they spent that money because of what they got in return. It's like when you go to a nice restaurant, if you go to somewhere and you're going to spend a little bit more for a nice dinner and the dinner is nice, you're just happy and you had a, you had a good service. You know, you don't want to be that place. Like if you went into a restaurant and you're like, um, can I look at your menu and be like, yeah, but we're going to charge you five pounds to look at our menu. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Like, how uncomfortable would that make you feel? You know, how likely would you be to actually eat at that restaurant? So, yeah. you know, yeah, look no, at it the same way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been a bit of an eye-opener, you know? It's been a bit of an eye-opener, actually, over the last, well, certainly in the sales class as well. A yeah. lot of people coming up to us afterwards and saying, you know, can I talk to you a bit more about this? And, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, using the data that we've got within our business because that's something that we don't see very often. We talked about prospecting and most people in the class are like, what the hell is prospecting, you know? Yeah. And we were talking about using either automated systems to get in touch with clients that have already been pierced and tell them about coming back to have a downsize mm-hmm. done or using a third party, you know, working in your studio to phone your clients and say, hey, you know, you came in you know, a month ago, just thought we'd check up on you, see how it's going, how your experience was, mm-hmm. is everything settling in okay? Um, and you know, doing those things can, can absolutely translate into sales into your pocket. Right. Yeah. Um, one guy said he has an automated system that texts, like sends a text message to his clients. Mm-hmm. They get that after a, a period of time detailed by the booking so when he yeah. does a, you know does a, a piercing let's say the downsize is eight weeks it'll message them after like six seven weeks and say hey it's about time you did this thing and the level of return on that you know the return on the investment for what they paid that system to do yeah. it's paid for itself so many times over. I'm sure yeah so many times over and people go away not only spending the money and getting the downsize done but actually whilst we talk about sales and people think sometimes it's sleazy that's giving someone really good customer service. It is. Really good customer service. It is. And they, again, you're just reinforcing the, the service that you already gave them, you know, so they have that that added value of this person cares if I heal or not. You know, this person cares about the future health. And something like a downsize, it's so inexpensive that I don't think anybody would count that as like a significant portion of their income. But it's important for that customer retention because if that client, if their first piercing heals happy and healthy, they get a good downsize, all those things. When it comes time for their second piercing, where are they going to go? They're going to go back to you because you, you've put in that effort for customer retention. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the other thing that I find, because we use, um, we use Snappad. Yeah. You know, Snappad works really, really well for us, you know, and we quite often get in contact with people and we do the same thing, you know. And quite often people come back in, you know, maybe it's a month or a couple of months or whatever. And a lot of the time they're like, hey, you know, that's the best pizza I've had because they're, they're not used to having premium jewelry mm-hmm. and the advantages of using it. They're not used to being pierced in the method and, and the particular ways that, that, that we pierce in, in our studios, you know. And when they come back, quite often they'll be like, hey, you know, I've been thinking, I kind of want this done as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that piece of jewelry that you just gave me, it looks amazing. It's made my other jewelry that I got from somewhere else not look so good. Is there anything we can do with that? And all of a sudden, you know, that single text message, that two minutes of your day right. is translated well, into... Well, it puts you back on the mind. mind. Yeah. 100%. It just keeps mm-hmm. you relevant. Yeah. I mean, keeps you relevant, you know? Yeah, we have a lot of tools at our disposal now, like the automate systems. Mm-hmm. I remember when I started piercing, everything was done by hand. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to actually text somebody or email somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of time taken out of your day. If you've got... Mm-hmm. 30 emails you need to reply to plus trying to run your business you need to go home see your family it just it took a lot of toll 
uh, on, on sort of, well, definitely on me. Um, but now we've got all these automated services and things like that at our disposal, which are being created for that type of use. And I don't feel that Pierce's use that enough to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Well, I think people are scared of it, you know, but actually if you look at return on investment of paying someone to come into your business and maybe spend an hour looking at your social media, maybe putting some work online for you, going through your records, calling people, talking to them. Actually, your clients are probably going to be more honest with a third party. Yeah. They're probably going to say, you know, if you ask them the question, hey, what was the piercer like? When did you piercing? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's you're the piercer, yeah. they're probably going to be like, oh, yeah, he, he was great. You yeah, know? Sure. Yeah, you, you won't get as honest of an answer if you're like, how did I do? Yeah. They'll be like, you were great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they tell totally. the friends you were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not, oh, yeah, yeah, you just smoked and, you know, you came in and mm-hmm. don't like cigarettes, and you know. So I think actually if you... If you can do that, you know, and get someone, certainly I've got someone who helps me out with some things, you know, um, it, it just works. It, it really just does work. And it takes a little bit of pressure off you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think businesses in the UK, and actually I don't know what it's like in the US, but I think installing systems to utilize that information will give you, you know, really, really big wins. And you can quantify those wins by they finding will. out when they come in, yeah. how and why they're in. Right. And if they're telling you, oh, yeah, man, it's because you messaged me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's because you emailed me. Oh, yeah, it's because you phoned me. I don't think it's me. a coincidence that some of the the busiest studios and most well-known studios put effort into those systems. You know, whether it's a mailing list system or a text system or a client database or whatever, you know. Um, the, the shops that put in the work get the return. You know, and I think that's just something that you should look at. So if you're if you're in that category of, uh, you know, I got into this because I don't want to work a corporate job. I want to be able to be my own boss. I want to be able to do this, to do that. Um, then ask the, ask yourself the question: Do you want to still have that capability ten years from now? And do you want to be able to grow in your life and in your business? And you have to put in the work to do it. You can coast by for a few years, just doing cool piercings in a cool shop and being able to wear like you know. A t-shirt and shorts to work every day but at a certain point I wanted to have more opportunities in life so that's when it was uh, you know dress shoes a button-down shirt uh, what can I do for you today you know how well, can I help you it's really interesting you say that because um, me and Ian again talked about it I cut sort of touched on it in the class and that's the things you wear have to represent the quality of the product you're selling mm-hmm. that really helps I mean you go to buy a Ferrari for instance the guy's not going to come over to you in a baggy pair of jeans mm-hmm. or and a hoodie. He's going to come over to you in what, probably an Armani suit. Do you know what I mean? Because the quality of his dress represents the product he is selling. Yeah. And it's the same thing. If you're one of these studios that carries gold, especially real expensive pieces, you know, there's nothing wrong with just putting on a shirt, a tie, you know, something mm-hmm. smart. It doesn't have to be a suit, but yeah. just smart, casual. Yeah, we can just, still be ourselves, exactly. but be a professional version of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It just represents the quality of the products you're selling. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're trying to sell a middle-aged lady a piece of gold for, let's say, $400, and you're still there in a backwards baseball cap and a hoodie, it mm-hmm. doesn't come off well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds bad when, when you say it, because especially oh. piercers get real defensive, don't they? They're like, well, I want to be myself. Housekeeping. Oh, hi. Sorry. Oh, we just had Brian Skelly come in. Why, hello there, everyone. Surprise. <laughs> We're doing a podcast recording. Okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm fully clothed. Hey, guys. Okay. Hey. Good Hello. Class. Good class, mate. Thank you. Thank you. We had exactly the same at the beginning of our class. Oh, we yeah. couldn't get it working, and it didn't come up on the <laughs> screen. And... What were we talking about? 
sales uh, techniques and stuff. Do you want to segue into something else? We were just talking about dress, dress codes. Dress codes, right, stuff. okay. But I think we kind of finished. Oh, no, I basically was saying that um, even though it sounds really bad, and when you say it to another peer, so they get really defensive, mm-hmm. and they, they say, no, I want to be myself. Yeah. Um, so they're very reluctant to change certain things, especially mm-hmm. about their appearance. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important that they actually do make that effort to do that. Well, th- there's definitely a generation of piercers who, you know, they're a piercer because they don't want to be the serious adult business person, you know? And, and for a long time, I, I was probably in that category too. I know lots of piercers where it's, you know, it, piercing isn't about jewelry and gold and whatever. It's about body modification and self-expression and like, why should I limit my self-expression if I'm trying to foster someone else's self-expression? So I get that side of it, but I still have that same question for them. Like, where do you want to go in life? Like, you know, there are only so many opportunities you can get if you want to just focus on that kind of what I would consider narrow clientele you know the the people that are just there for self-expression some people are just there for fashion and the customers that are there for fashion or for trends or something like that they're not going into biker establishments or like art house kind of places they're not punk rock you know like they're professional when they want to go and buy their shoes or their bags or their clothes or their cars or whatever they go to the places that gravitate towards them, yeah, you know, exactly. like give them that full I service. I mean, I think it's the same with the actual studio look as well. Mm-hmm. And again, I know I've mentioned it and people get really touchy with it. But when you go into the studio and you see like skateboards screwed to a wall mm-hmm. and stickers everywhere, it looks like a teenager's bedroom. I can get the skateboard thing if it's done artistically, you know, but but I totally do get the teenager thing because my, my last studio... Uh, in the tattoo areas, I was like, all right, you can put whatever you want, wherever, and it totally did just look like you had a crop of kids working there, you know? Exactly. Now with my new studio, it's like, okay, you can have art in certain areas, but it has to be framed, it has to be hung correctly, so you're exactly. going with a theme, so it can still be personal and artistic, but it it's the grown-up version. Exactly, <laughs> and that's really important. Do you know, the thing is, you know, though, like... Everyone wants to earn the money, but they don't always want to do the work, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I've got no problems, man, going into a studio that is a bit of a teenager's bedroom. I've no problems. One of the best pizzas I've ever had is in Manchester, and we all did like an escape room thing. Like mm-hmm. thirty of us went and did escape rooms. Um, couldn't find anywhere to eat. I think it was a Sunday night, and somebody told us about this bar. They said, "Yeah, you know, it's this little kind of pizza bar. It stays open till four in the morning, you know." And uh, we ended up going down there. And there's no carpet on the floors. It kind of looked like one of those kind of places. I'm not going to name it, but it was it, it was like one of the best pizzas I've ever had, you know? And that is a profitable business. That business was <coughs> busy. Seriously, seriously busy. But some people um, may not go into a piercing studio if it looks that way. You, no, no, you no, guys no. did. Oh, no, no, I agree. But, but what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be this this mm-hmm. you know you can't be prescriptive and say to people this is what you should be this is it should be how it is because you you know you need that individuality but what we talked about really in essence is if you want to do this this is a good way to do it and then show them practical examples of businesses whether they were selling jewelry or cars or wine or whatever you know it's just like you know we want to go for a drink you know some of my favorite pubs are the sort of ones that are there's one actually where i live 
Uh, it's called Pebbles, and it's a, like a gin bar, you know? And it is tiny, and it's so hot in there. And you can get your fish and chips next door. You can sit inside the pub with the food you didn't even buy there. And it's the busiest pub in town. Mm. Everybody absolutely loves it. Absolutely loves it. There's candles with wax everywhere. There's a piano in the corner. You can just walk in and play. And that is a super profitable business. And if we're talking about profitability, you know, making a, you know, a successful business, you don't have to do the sort of things you're talking about. But if you just want the kind of like the easy option, just take the wins, take the quick wins. You know, like I say, don't maybe wear a hoodie. You know, maybe wear something a little bit smarter. Maybe set your, your shop up so it's got cleaner lines and it's open and it's fresh and all of those things. And actually inviting. Yeah. I think there's still... I think the industry in the UK from what I've seen in the limited amount of time that I've been piercing has changed um, and we're now starting to see more and more studios getting rid of that flash artwork mm-hmm. you know getting better artists in you know and some of the artists you know they're, they're, they're literally like art scholars and yeah. realising hang on I can make a lot of money out of tattooing mm-hmm. rather than you know, trying to paint pictures and sell them you know um, and I think that's going to continue to change and more of the old school studios are going to start to disappear I think if you don't start at least thinking about that now and start making those changes in your studio yeah, totally possible you're going to get left behind because mm-hmm. I think it's certainly one of the fastest industries that I've seen right now I don't know what, what, what you think it does seem to go that way especially yeah. with the introduction of jewellery now you know like for the first time in the UK we can fairly easily get high, high jewellery now we still have the same wait times all the yeah. same problems that everybody's got but you have the, the access the we access. have the access now you know we can get good quality blades we can get um, American products we can get IS and Anatomy on BVLA um, you know and that's that's not I think when I started there was only like literally a few studios I knew who had it now just five years ago it was a night and day different industry especially in the uk you know crazy um if i needed to think five years ago i my only criteria is where is a studio where they just have internally threaded jewelry that's a good quality material where can i send someone if they're off on holiday you know and that list was so short so short a lot of times it would be like well i know this person has a good reputation but i have no idea what their jewelry is you know or this that and now it's like well, here's a list, you know, like, oh, where are you going to be? Well, there's this one that's 15 minutes away. There's this one that's a half an hour away. There's this one that's 20 minutes away. And all these people are realizing, like, we want in on this growth, mm. you know? And, and if, if the, the good piercers who care about the industry and care about, like, I am a body piercer and this is my, my future career and not just yeah. a, a quickie job, um, they have to get on that train. You know, they don't want to get left behind because some corporation or some chain is going to come through and they're going to say like, okay, if you're not ready for, for this opportunity, we are, and we're going to take your market share. Yeah. You know? So if you want to survive and you want to thrive long-term, five years from now, 10 years from now, you have to start putting in the work. Yeah, no, you, you, you're absolutely right. And actually you're looking at some of the big chains are, are starting to have an ever-growing presence, you know? Um, you know, there's one particular one, you know, it's opening in London, it's opening here, it's opening there. You know, I can see in a space of just a couple of years, you'd be able to go to any UK big city and they'll have a, a mm-hmm. chain there for sure. Yeah, something for really sure. similar in the US. I mean, there are, there are shop owners who have, not in a generic way, the formula, but they have the formula down. They know how to open a studio, they know how to, to build a clientele for it, and they know how to maintain the staff and the clientele to keep that individual studio thriving but they know how to have two or three or four or five of those studios spread out all over the place and they just know because they're business people 
they know how to run a business, you know? And if we just want like a hobby that we can make some money off of, there's really not a lot of long-term opportunity in that for us. Mm -hmm. That's it, you know, some people are happy with that. Somebody said to me, you know, I don't think I can do the sales, I don't think I can do this, and I don't think I can do that. And I'm like, look man, you know, what what do you want? You know, what what do you want out of of this? And they just, you know, they got into it for all the varying reasons that we all get into it, you know? And they were happy, you know? And I'm like, man, if you're happy with what you do, don't sweat it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, if you can earn enough money to pay your bills, if you've got time to spend with your family, you know, and all those things, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. But I think you've got to be conscious of what's going on around you. If your unique selling point is that you sell high-end jewellery and that's it, you know, it doesn't matter what jewellery you've got, that, for me, has a huge amount of risk associated mm-hmm. with it. Because as soon as your neighbour shop starts doing that and they're making more of an effort and they've got a nice looking studio, all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you could find yourself in a lot of trouble, you know? Well, that comes down um, to that thing we talked about is basically you choose to change before you're forced to change. Mm-hmm. So choose to put the effort in before you're forced to put that effort right. in. And if you do it early, you're going to get some great results from it. Yeah, you're not going to get as good a result if you have to play catch up. Exactly. Like if you have to chase the market leader instead of becoming the market leader. Yeah, like whenever I talk to to people in, whenever I do sales classes or or just talk to someone who's asking for advice, I always say like, step one, don't even really pay attention to your competition, if you want to call them competition. Like I don't try to compete with them at their level. I try to force them to compete with us at our level, you know? So when I first started expanding into higher-end jewelry, I didn't say, all right, what can I do to try to maintain this super low price point so that I don't lose customers to these cheaper shops? And I said, well, why do I want to have to like struggle and compete against them for a, a clientele base that doesn't really know what they want and you know maybe doesn't want this stuff that I want to carry? Why don't I just carry this nice stuff that I know people out there desire and then I can become their, their sole source for it? You know, Body jewelry, if you think about it, is a static item. So, you know, no matter how nice the jewelry is, another studio can just order the exact same oh, yeah, thing. 100%. They can put it in the exact same display. But when you have the ability to distinguish yourself with a unique sales approach, with a unique service, with a unique environment, that's where, where, that's where you really get the opportunity to, to set yourself apart. Yeah, I think one of the key things that, you know, came from our class is, you know, that kind of, we're really trying to hammer home, you know, that people buy people, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know, and, and if you've got problems at home, if you just had an argument with your girlfriend, you know, whatever, you have to leave that shit at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You have to walk through your door and, you, you know, you touched on it earlier, you said like the, the theatricalness of it, you know, about walking out onto your sales floor and being the person that your clients need you to be. Right. Um, you know, and then you get the whole kind of thing about making sure you take time off and, you know, work too hard because you push yourself. Actually, I see something I saw more than I think any year is the amount of people who were exhausted. Mm-hmm. who are really, you know, doing social media late at night. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly seeing the reward from it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of pieces I can just think off the top of my head who are putting out some really good quality work. But actually, maybe they, you know, they need to kind of spend a little time looking after themselves as well. And I know there's really good class at APP this year about self-care and... Well, self-care is important, stuff. but also reinvesting in yourself. You know, if you start to have a little bit more income, take some of that income, reinvest it in your studio. So like like you were saying with the automated systems, um, hire counter staff, things like that, hire assistants. I think some people have this kind of plateaued mentality where they're thinking, all right, I'm finally getting in good jewelry, I'm selling good jewelry, I'm, I'm having people come through the door. 
but I can't afford a counterperson. But what happens if you spend that money on a counterperson and then they can take care of the, the questions and the emails and the jewelry sales and that gives you more flexibility to pay more attention to the office, to have more, more time off for yourself for the self-care or just to be able to do more piercings while someone else can answer your phone. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of piercers struggle with time off though, especially if you're a business owner mm -hmm. because you're trusting somebody else with your business and I think that puts yeah. a lot of stress on people. That's always a hard, le delegating yeah. Is, yeah. is difficult for people. I, I think a lot of people like us in this industry, we're kind of like, uh, we will be micromanagers if we need to be, but we're very autonomous. We like to do it ourselves because yeah. we're, we're, we know, you know, if you want it done right, do it yourself kind of mentality. And it's difficult to put that trust into someone else, especially with a, a business that you might have opened yourself and that you've been the driving force of for so long. It's very difficult to delegate some of that authority and responsibility and results to someone else. We used to talk about it a lot, you know, and to talk about um, what's, uh, <laughs> you want to do the window, right? Yeah, I'm just going to pop this <laughs> Um, yeah, we used to talk a lot about what is a useful, um, you know, what is like a, a good use of your time. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a skilled piercer, if you're doing something that's very unique, uh, there's not many people who can do it, you know, and all that kind of stuff, your time isn't really best spent answering the phone. Your time isn't really best spent cleaning down the shop, you, you know, and whilst I'm not saying, you know, I'm too important to do this or too important to do that. You know, actually, I'm the only person in my studio who can do the job that I do. So actually delegating that other stuff out, right. it's totally okay to do that. You know, it's totally okay. You don't see, you know, a Michelin star chef sitting there mopping the floors. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it just is what it is, you know. Um, and, and like you say, it is hard to, to give those things away. But if you really want to, to, to achieve um, in your studio and make some good money, you have to free some of your time up. You have to be able to get the basic stuff done so you can concentrate on advancing your business forward. I mean, I 100% do agree. There are certain pet peeves I have where you see piercers that have been piercing, you know, a year, 18 months, two years, even three years, um, taking on apprentices and delegating responsibilities. And as, as far as I'm concerned, and again, my own opinion, you haven't earned that right. Mm. You haven't earned the right you might not even somebody. have really that ability, you know, if you try to apprentice someone before you're really seasoned, what are you actually teaching them? Exactly, and you don't, I don't think you have the ability to have someone clean up after you and clean the studio for you. Mm. I mean, like I said, I've been piercing 15 years and I still do everything myself. Mm. I still do all my own cleaning, I still do all my own sterilization, I do everything mm. myself. But mm. I think there's a difference between what you're willing to do and what you have to and do. what you have to do you know yeah. I am willing to I had the same conversation uh, with my tattooist when he started and he was saying you know can we get someone to do this can we get someone to do this and I'm like dude like we are both we, we kind of run our business together you know everything's kind of split you know and we are both responsible for cleaning the windows and hoovering and stuff like that yeah. you know um, you know yes there are times where we will get someone particularly in the summer when we've been super busy I've had someone help me you know on and off um, and it's not hard to find, the thing is, it's not even hard to find people because a lot of people want to work in that environment. You know, they want to be part of that mm -hmm. kind of little community hub and, and stuff, you know. Um, but I know what you're saying. I just want to see people who haven't been piercing very long start at the bottom like, you know, the older generation did yeah. and have to do everything themselves mm -hmm. before they're at a stage where they can go, okay, I've really put an effort in, yeah. now I'm going to get somebody to help me. Mm -hmm. 
because that's what breeds that um, rock star attitude. Mm-hmm. I've been piercing a year and now I've got somebody that runs around for me. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's a good attitude to have. No, no, um, I mean, like, you have to, there is something for paying your dues, you know? But yeah. I've done, I've done a lot of things in, like, the last five to ten years where um, if I had told it to myself 20 years ago, Ryan, like, okay, you're, you're going to uh, become successful and thrive because you're going to spend all of your money on other things, you know? So uh, hiring and training other staff, hiring multiple counter people and... You know, bringing in people to clean and hiring accountants and lawyers and bookkeepers and all that and all that money going out has freed me up mm-hmm. to be able to go out and and do things like this, come and teach classes and pierce people more efficiently because I'm not burnt out. You know, and I don't hate going into work because of the stuff I have to do in the office. I can love going into work because of the things I get to do in the piercing room again. You know, and all those things make me so much happier. It makes my business thrive and and succeed. And now I get to help support all these other people and let them live out their dreams too, you know, piercers and other people that get to work in the kind of environment they want to work in. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's, you know, <laughs> I think we, we kind of underscored it in our presentation is adulting, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you know, because a lot of people just don't, they just don't even comprehend, you know, that actually if you want growth, if you want expansion, if you don't want to burn out, if you want to be effective and efficient, you know, sometimes you, you, you do need some help. And I am, yeah. and anybody who knows me will tell you, I am the world's worst for working long hours, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm real bad for it, you know. But seeing so many people burnt out here particularly actually mm. has been a bit of a wake-up call for me. People, you know, absolutely at the top of their game in the world saying, shit, man, I, I need a break. I need a couple of months off, mm-hmm. you know. And you think, that's, that's an expensive... To take a couple of months off in our business is not cheap, Yeah, you know. Well, even like you said, even just getting away for 12 days, you know, half of your monthly income is gone to have that opportunity. But, you know, what if you had a studio with multiple piercers, people working the counter, things like that, where you don't really have to take away. Like I'm, I've been gone for two weeks and I've got, I've got staff working for me, you know? Yeah. Now I, I do, like I've said, I completely agree with it. Yeah. I understand that. And yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I just don't like to see piercers that have been pierced in a year. Absolutely. Thinking they Absolutely. have the right, right then to not pull their weight. Right. Well, because even, that's... even my, my other piercers at my studio, they have tasks, you know, they don't just get to, to sit back on their laurels and text all day until a piercing walks in. They have responsibilities to clean and sterilize, you know, jewelry orders, things like that. So, you know, it's, they're at work, you know, and, and, you know, you work when you're at work kind of thing, you know, so people that are one year in, if they already have kind of a rock star mentality, I feel like those are going to be more of the tourists in the industry. Those are the people where you bump into them two or three years down the road and say like, Hey, how's it going at the shop? They're like, Oh, well, I left. I went back to university and now I do this and you know, now I'm in this other field and now I sell cars or, or whatever, you know? I mean, I think it's a shame that people do have that rock star attitude. I mean, there's definitely, within some piercings, an air of arrogance about them. Sure. Um, and I think that can be okay, but I can assure anybody listening to this podcast, we're not rock stars. We're not brain surgeons. I was laying All in bed. All three of us can sound like it, though. Yeah. No, totally. I, I mean, I was laying in bed, what, 11 o'clock the other night with a hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah, I mean? yeah, it's funny. Yeah, we actually, yeah, everyone's out. <laughs> this is like literally like two nights ago, you know. Everyone's out partying. Everyone's like, yeah, proper getting on it, you know. Go into the dorms. There's all sorts going on in the dorms. You've stayed in the dorms, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's some crazy stuff going on in the dorms. And like we walk through the door, the two of us, and like it's like time just stops. Everyone just looked at us and we're like, hey. And they're like, 
rock stars. We're literally both holding a hot chocolate. Ooh, and, and going to bed, yeah. 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 I say, yeah, this is a defining point in my career. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, you know, yeah, some, some of this is uh, education and part of it is a little bit of a holiday and rest and relaxation. You know, you can't, you can't be on all the time. I don't know how some people can do that. It would, it would burn me out pretty fast. Yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. But I think you see the direct cor- correlation as well between the people that are teaching, the people that do seem to have really good flourishing businesses, mm-hmm. you know, um, and actually their behavior as well, you know, because they come along, they, you know, they act well, you know, right. they interact, they, they mingle, they, they use it as the opportunity that it is. And I see it as an opportunity to talk to people, you know, get people to know you and things. And, you know, it, it's fine going out and get, you know, getting on it. But actually, you know, you can really miss out on some some massive opportunities here. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm pretty confident. You know that there's probably some pretty career defining things that have happened at conferences. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I've I've seen I've seen careers change over the course of one week in Las Vegas. People show up on Sunday and they're there to party, and by Monday Tuesday they realize how much of the industry they've never seen before. You know, and then they realize like shit. I'm a little fish in a giant ocean. I need to be serious about this. And then by Friday, they're just like taking notes. They're they're in work mode again, you know? And I, I've seen it year after year after year and it's fantastic to see. Yeah, yeah, it definitely pays dividends, doesn't it? To actually sit there and, and spend the time and invest it in the people around you and, mm-hmm. and get to know people for sure. Yeah. For sure. I think a lot of the people as well, they're teaching classes and donate their time for free. Yeah. You know, and they're giving away the free information and they, they you know, make a real effort like I've seen them afterwards interacting mm-hmm. with all the other peers and literally sitting down and having just dinner with them and chatting there's you know I've not seen any of them think they're too good for that right and that's a really nice thing to see as well mm-hmm. um, like a good example you know somebody like a Brian Skelly or a Luis Garcia just being able to like walk up to someone with that kind of experience and be like hey tell me all your secrets over a cup of coffee you know exactly like, yeah, sure. I mean one of my favorite people well two of my favorite people to sit down with is Paul King because mm-hmm. the, the guy, the history of body piercing, of his anybody, classes and his classes oh, yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. And I love the history side of it. I love it, and he's a really interesting guy to talk to. I really, really like Paul mm-hmm. and Bethra. I was, yeah, I was just gonna say she's that. like she's like a mother to me yeah. at BMX, and she has been since my first year. And but she does it to everybody. Mm-hmm. If there's somebody sat on their own and they they look a little bit upset or down or they just look a bit nervous, she always goes over and makes the effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just really, really, really nice to see. Yeah. Um, but overall, everybody that teaches classes are really friendly and they, they do make a massive effort. So that is really nice to see. And I would encourage any peers to come over to BMX, definitely. Obviously, start in the UK, you know, get your bearings about things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, BMX is one of my favourite places to go. I think one okay. of the only ones you can see so many things, can't you? Live scarification, right. raising experience. Yeah, it's, it's know, a really it's like, unique conference for that. You know, it's, and that's, like you say, when you can see, I mean, I remember coming last year and uh, Elaine Angel was here doing live genital piercing, mm-hmm. you know, and it was one of those kind of like pinch yourself moments, like, is this really happening? It's yeah. like, because when I started piercing, you know, when I did my four weeks in a shop and I thought that was cool and that was a good thing and realised, you know, retrospectively, you know, actually that's just not, not okay. You know, one of the very first things that happened, it was like, Kettle came on. This is like the first day I turned up in the shop. Hey, you know, hi Ian, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, Kettle came on. Here's this book, read it. And it was the Piercing Bible. Cool. And you were told, like, yeah, you need to read this from cover to cover. And then just a couple of years later, 
you're sat there mm-hmm. in a class doing live genital medicines with the person who wrote the book. Yeah. You don't get that in many industries. No, I mean, you really don't get that without a huge pay barrier. You know, like a, a lot of, if it was any other industry, if it was like some goldsmith or something like that and, and you wanted to sell or carry their jewelry and you wanted to learn everything about it, you couldn't just like ask the person, no. you know, it'd be like, oh, well, $5,000 and you can come and, and do this special event or something like that. But here it's just like, yeah, cool, you know, buy me a beer or, you know, go get me a slice of cake and then I'll, I'll tell you everything you want to know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's such a, you know, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, if you're not going to these events, if you're not doing it, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just find the money, organize yourself. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, UKPP was like 130 pounds, maybe like that. Right, that's Extremely like 10 pounds a month. Right, man. You know, I know people who will spend that like going out for the night. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you, you should just do it. Yeah, it's also a business deduction. For all those people that are business-minded, yep. it's a deduction. Your business is paying for it. It's yeah. not really you paying out of pocket. Yeah, write it off. Write your food off, your yep. hotel off. You can write the whole lot off. Really, can't you? Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. Awesome. So, uh, to kind of wrap it up, where would people find you online again? What's your social media, your studios, where are you located? Uh, so, I own Voodoo Body Piercing, which is in North Devon. Um, if you just go onto Instagram and type in Voodoo Pinchy, uh, my profile will come up. It is a private profile. But what I go through it and stuff, and I accept pretty much everybody, unless I think it's a spam account, right. because I am getting a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, mine is, uh, so I took a new studio, studio one in April and consolidated everything. So the studio name is Hold Fast Body Arts. We're in uh, West Somerset in the UK. And uh, you can find me online just for my work, just personally for my work. Under the uh, is it an at sign or a hashtag for Instagram? I never know. It's an at sign. Is it at sign. Yeah. At sign. Geeky piercer. So like nerdy but geeky. G e e k y. Cool. And obviously, I would like to point out that me and Ian, you know, have been asked before to actually go to studios mm-hmm. and run business classes in a studio environment for their staff over the course of a couple of days. That's you know a service we will offer to people. Mm-hmm. So people can obviously get in touch with us and ask us about things like that, and we can help in any way we can. You know. Mm-hmm. But actually, you know, even aside from that. Um, we'll pretty much help anyone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, if somebody just wants to pick the phone up, email right. me, Instagram me, Facebook me, oh, yeah. come to the shop. I've That's got... the good thing about this community. Oh, and I'm, I'm not saying just BMX or just UK APP, but the people who are engaged and get out to all these conferences, you know, I, I think, I don't, I don't want to just guess or anything, but uh, for me, the, the reason that I've had the opportunities I've had is from the help of other people, being able to ask questions to anyone. Well, and I feel like I have to pay that forward to other people. Yeah, I mean, here's yeah. the thing. Anybody who says to you they got to where they are without help mm-hmm. is lying. Right. Is, is lying. Mm-hmm. I've had doors held open for me that I've walked through, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Ian has, mm-hmm. and yeah, now we'll just hold them open for other people. Right. You know, it swings in roundabouts. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. That's a good mentality. Can we, um, can we talk about scarification? Uh, yeah, on the show? Yeah? Yeah, sure. Oh, it's kind of a cool one, right? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, one of the things that I really wanted to do here was get my first scarification. What better person to do it? And, uh, yeah, I've had so many people ask me about it. So many people ask me about it. It blew up online, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, really good. So we, um, because we, when did you put the design out? Like a couple of weeks ago? I think, like... A week ago, yeah. I, I think it well maybe a week before I left basically because yeah. I know we had talked about some some designs before, and they were good designs, but I didn't feel like it was something that I could 
do well in a class because I wanted to be able to show somebody like some of the simpler concepts of it, you know, outlining and removal and yours was a bit more on the artistic side and I don't think I would have been able to do it in the, the time allotted. So I'm just really glad that coincidentally, like when I finally put the piece up, it was something that you really liked because we had already talked before and like I wanted to work with you and it just, it seemed like the right fit, you know, and everybody loved the design, the Rick and Morty kind of thing and it was fun. It was really fun to do that. The one. design yeah. itself, when I saw it, I loved it. Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've obviously seen it. Um, it's really well done. Thanks. Really well done. Um, I had so many people come up to me going, and I'm not just saying it because you're here, right? But I had so many people come up to me saying, oh, you know, when I do scarification, I, I can't do it like that. I can't do it like this. I don't get that kind of result. But it just, um, like, as it looks, I, I saw some of the video because mm -hmm. it was like from the position that I was in, it was hard to see. Yeah. And I didn't know if I could kind of deal with looking at it. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like when I'm tattooed, I try not to look too much. Too much. Mm. But when you see it, just you've made it look just so easy. It literally just looks effortless, you know? And uh, the amount of people are like, man, it is not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, is it, it is, they just, they don't feel comfortable with it yet. So like as easy as I might make the technique look, it's from... 18 years of trial and error and you know over and over and over again and try this and try this and you know these little tiny tweaks and um, you know you have to you have to learn it it takes a lot of time and experience you know especially if people are only doing maybe one practice piece every few months I mean really what kind of progression think if you were a body piercer and you only got to do a, a body piercing once every three months how yeah. good could you get with them you know and I've just been fortunate where I've done a lot of scarification and I've had a lot of practice I think it's interesting because I hear a lot of people in the UK talking about it. A lot of them have approached me and talked about it. But where the industry is in the UK at the moment, particularly around body mods, it's kind of really kind of touchy. Right. Everyone's a bit kind of waiting, you mm -hmm. know, because uh, of this ongoing legal case, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I was obviously present in the class. Um, do you know what? Most people would think it'd be surreal to see a friend of yours lying there getting cut mm -hmm. basically for me it was more surreal seeing a friend of mine lying there in his underpants <laughs> in front of a whole class that but, went over very well um well yeah. you, you can tell it was cold in that class oh, oh man really yeah. you have to do that on a podcast yeah, yeah have to. <laughs> wanker uh well it was a really cool one so thanks for for going for it no no it's um yeah it was really it's uh, honestly man i could have fallen asleep like maybe it was because i had a late night before well, um, you know, I, I think uh, the sustain really makes a significant impact on it. Sure. Yeah. But even the first, you know, even like yeah. the very initial bit. Right. Like you said, it's so light, you know. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I mean, it's so comparable to tattooing, honestly. Like if anybody's intimidated by it or freaked out by it, if you've been tattooed before, you'll be fine. Yeah. It yeah. definitely hurt way less than like just an outline. Mm. You know, I know it'd be different, like you say, you know, that's just a stain without going back into it and stuff. But, you know, honestly, it was no big deal. It was no big deal. It'd be interesting to see if more people in the UK, because we don't really see a huge amount of scarification in the UK, do we? I can think of maybe two uh, or three really prominent artists. There was Lewis Dodd for a while, but then he dropped that and went into tattooing. There, there are things, obviously, people that do it, which we won't mention. But, um, yeah, I tend, people just don't tend to post online anymore. Do you think scarification will fall under the body mod kind of situation where it's so weird or? because in the states um like florida for example absolutely can't do it because it's done with the scalpel 
New Hampshire, where I am, it's legally a tattoo. Like, I have a tattoo license oh, to perform scarification. Okay. So it's so weird just how they define what it is. You know, if someone on a council looks at it and be like, oh, my God, that's mutilation, that's surgery, that's whatever, then, yeah, you're going to be kind of screwed, basically, because they're going to say, you can't do it because we think it's this. But if someone looks at it and they can actually see it as an art form or a professional service and they're cool with tattooing and they can be cool with that, then it should be fine. But the problem is that it's it's a gray area and there's room for interpretation. I yeah. think the only time you're ever going to have trouble with it is when you get people that are just going to try it. Mm -hmm. Because they, they want to be that rock star like we were talking about earlier, right. that attitude, and it, it's not the right attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, you it's like um, people have said before, you have to work within your skill set. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to know, and that's a really adult thing to do, and it comes down to like ethics and things like well, that. Well, I've, I've learned that because I have access to you know people like Sampa and, and other people that, that do all this really intense work, mm -hmm. and I've, I've looked at it, and I've seen it initial, and I've seen it healed, and, so I, and, and I look at the broad strokes of the technique, and I'm like, maybe I could try that. And then I realize, like, why? Why? You know, for me to do one a year and never be able to like perfect it or whatever, exactly. like I'm a, what I would consider a pretty good body piercer and pretty good at scarification. Like, why can't that just be enough for me? You know, and it is. So I don't, I don't waste my time with all that other stuff that I don't think I could offer as good as better people. I think that's the right attitude to have though, yeah. isn't it? You know, I mean, absolutely push your boundaries. Absolutely make sure that you can do other stuff just in one thing. Just, I think, from a protection of your business point of view, it's the old, don't put all your eggs in one basket yeah. kind of scenario, you know? But, I mean, we sat round a like, Sampa's round table discussion about it, didn't we? And, and, in essence, you know, one of the things that I took away from it was people saying, listen, you know, you really, really need to work within your skill set. Mm. Because a lot of the problems that are generated, a lot of the issues that are happening where clients yeah. are starting to take legal action against people, all those sorts of things, it's happening because people are working outside it's just of bad work. Yeah. yeah, it's not that it's good work that went wrong; it's that it's just bad work. Yeah, yeah. What are you just saying about putting all your eggs in one basket? I don't think there's anything wrong with putting all your eggs in one basket. Mm. Just don't drop the fucking basket. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Hard boil the eggs first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wrap this up. Cool. Alright, once again, thanks for sitting down and talking with me, uh, Pinchy and Ian. I really appreciate it. I know you're uh, busy folks. So, you know, the, the lesson that you might want to learn from a, a talk like that, and, you know, what I was thinking about as I was editing it, is just, um, you know, you can take this as serious as you want as a business. You know, if you want to uh, be able to go into work every day and wear a t-shirt and shorts and sneakers, you know, this is a great industry for you. You know, if you want to have a job, where you're, you know, doing hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales, this is also a really good industry, you know, and both sides of that coin can can flourish and you can make a successful, comfortable, happy lifestyle out of it. But, you know, if you want to double down and you want to get serious, like you can get real serious in this industry, you know, through the through the 80s and 90s, you know, there were some standout businesses, but a lot of it was just kind of shops and it was self-expression and, and exploration and things like that. But you know, as we got into the 2000s, you know, people are, are they have the experience. They're starting to take it really seriously for a business, you know, opening multiple locations and having these like mega shops and, and really like nailing it. You know, some of these studios are, are just like, they're, they're 
they're really impressive as far as business people goes, you know, and uh, I've tried to take a, as many lessons as possible, um, you know, and if you need help to, to grow your business, you're not sure how to do it, you know, you can you can ask for help, you can take some classes, you can do continuing education, you can do uh, online classes, you can do night school, you can do all kinds of stuff, you know, just because you're um, done with high school or done with college doesn't mean that you have to be done with learning, you know, so seek out that information, you know, and hire professionals to help you out with stuff, you know, like I really kind of uh, stepped up from a plateau because I was hiring uh, people to, to help with my front end and, and I was hiring lawyers and accountants and, and other professionals that were advising me, you know, and that's made a huge difference in, in my life, you know, personally and financially and, and business wise. So uh, another thing you want to think about is, is if you're the kind of piercer that understands the mentality of shadowing. Uh, and shadowing can make you a better body piercer. Shadowing can also make you a better business person. You know, when you shadow, it doesn't have to be just about you watching someone pierce. Ask questions about how they handle their office and manage inventory, place orders, manage staff and, you know, uh, you know, hey, who are you using for a financial advisor? Stuff like that. You know, you can take it as seriously as you want to. If you want to just kind of chill out and be relaxed, you can totally do that too. You can make a great life out of it. Um, but, you know, if you have that drive in the back of your mind where you're, you know, you're a business person, you have that coffee is for closers kind of mentality, um, the sky's the limit, basically. You know, uh, the only limitation is how hard you want to work, basically. So, you know, that's a lesson that I try to live my life by. You know, I, I want to get places in life and I'm willing to put in the, the work to do it. And, uh, you know, if you are, you can you can get there, too. Um, and I'm just kind of glad to meet other business people in this industry and be able to kind of talk with them, learn from them, share with them, you know, all that different stuff. So, uh, thank you for listening. You know, if you picked up one or two things that you think are helpful, you know, I think that's awesome. Uh, I'll have another episode next week. Not exactly sure which one yet. I've got a couple in the, the pipe. Um, I'll get one of them out for you and I'll keep this train rolling. Thanks for listening. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.